Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Zach Bissonette. I'm very, very excited to meet him. His new book, A Killing in Costumes, is really fun. I'm guessing he probably will be too. Yeah, I have the, yeah, we're holding up the gorgeous yes, cover, yes. gorgeous cover. And and I agree. I, I think it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, um, he's a little bit of a mystery to us um, <laughs> because he has sort of a funny bio. And let me read a little bit about him so that you can hear who he is. Uh-oh. Zach Bissonette <laughs> is the New York Times bestselling author of several nonfiction books, including The Great Beanie Baby, Bubble, Mass Delusion, and The Dark Side of Cute. He's an equity analyst at a hedge fund and lives in New York City with his partner and a tuxedo cat named Perry Como. Now, on his website, he gives this description. His favorite singer is Perry Como. Oh, that makes sense. Um, his favorite author is Agatha Christie. His favorite tea is Harney and Sons Hot Cinnamon Spice. His favorite, current favorite Bath and Body Works candle is Vanilla Pumpkin Marshmallow. <laughs> but that is subject to change as the new release um, mm. scents come out. He recently ordered the 2021 limited release holiday fragrance, Tis the Season, for which he has high hopes. And he looks forward to trying the tree farm scent as well. <laughs> and the online exclusive pumpkin pie remains a per- perennial contender. Okay, so as you can see, we know he's funny. We just don't know a whole lot more, except we do know that his debut mystery, A Killing in Costumes, has just a lot of great reviews, and I've got one that I wanted to share with you guys. It's from Miranda James. She's New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of The Cat in the Stacks and The Southern Ladies Mysteries, and she says, it's sure to enthrall. At the very core of this astonishing debut is love in various forms, and especially our eternal love of and fascination for Hollywood in all its glamour and glitz. So, Zach, it is so great to have you here with us today. I'm never going to get a bit, get any better than that intro. I, I should just say <laughs> goodnight. So. But that, that's wonderful. Thank <laughs> Except you. Except maybe at Christmas time when you change some of your scents. I'm just saying. Yes, I, I think I actually need to update that bio for the 2022 scents. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the list. Well, thanks so much for having me. That's that's a great. It's it, it's just such a kind intro. And have you, if anyone hasn't read the Miranda James Cat in the Stacks mysteries. I think they're the best cozy mysteries in the world. And I really I would highly recommend those to anyone. Oh, so good happy to, to talk know. about my book too, but everyone should buy Miranda James's book. <laughs> Cat in the Stacks. Okay, okay, there you go, everybody. Are we are we drinking wine so we're tonight? Not. Or we're what? having tea. Normally we have a little wine. <laughs> and Zach had this fantastic idea of having some wine. Or, no, no. <laughs> See? Freudian guess flip. what kind? Tea. No, guess. He wants tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so, by the way, um, you guys should drink wine if you want. <laughs> no, I thought it was a good no, idea. No, we wanted this. This tea is great. And yeah. honestly, I, I ordered. Oh, my gosh. The, you, I don't know if anybody should, can see. It's terrific tea. I didn't see. I don't have it. Yeah, it, it was it was else. so easy. I got it on Amazon. 
<laughs> so, but it's from New York. Yeah, they, they have a store in Soho, which is really cool because the family still still works there. It's like it's really you can learn all about it. Oh, good. Is it well? It's tasty. I'm really enjoying it, even though I'm in Florida. I like the cinnamon. Yeah, is it a Harnian company? Is that what you guys? Yes, Harnian Sons. Sons. Hot cinnamon spice tea. Mm, sounds nice. Well, listen, mm. I have. Um, I did not do the hot cinnamon spice. I'm not a cinnamon person, but I am having. Sweet tangerine positive energy from Yogi Teas. Wow. I, I like the Yogi Teas. Oh. I do too. I love them. Yeah, I and do too. My little fortune, you know, on the tea bag and Yogi Teas, it gives you a little a little something to say. What does it say? And it says, the only constant is change. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So listen, that. let's do a cheers with our tea to cheers. Zach and his oh, debut. <laughs> Cozy, Zach. Cheers to you. Thank you so mm. much. All right. So before we um, get into the questions, I'm going to give a little bit of a synopsis of a killing in costumes. The main characters are cover. If you're watching this on YouTube. Yes, it's really fun. Very. I love the colors. Yeah, that would that would be a nice poster for Mm -hmm. my wall. We were talking about the things on my wall there. That's I I just (laughs) it's so funny. I was so upset. When the cover was that good, because now it's like, okay, if it doesn't sell, I can't blame the artist. (laughs) I mean, you, I'm sure know that you guys are writers. It's like, if you're writing, it's really all about looking for other people to blame when things don't work. (laughs) For sure. That's anything in life. (laughs) You know, just came out. What was the book birthday? It was, was it last week or? August 9th. Oh, Okay. So a little, a little bit um, earlier. So um, you're coming down off that craziness, which we'll we'll have to ask you about. <laughs> anyway, the main characters are Jay Allen and Cindy Cooper, and I just love that they're they have such a funny backstory. They were soap opera stars together when they were young, and then they ma- got married, and then they did a music show and all kinds of stuff, and then they realized that. Each of them realized they were gay and they divorced, but they're still best friends. And now they have this great store where they just opened, where it's all memorabilia from Hollywood that they're selling. And of course, there's going to be some, you know, competition, which I didn't realize how cutthroat it was in this business, but um, (laughs) they have a little competition (laughs) and um, one of their main competitors ends up um, dead, which usually happens in a mystery, right? (laughs) Um, So anyway, (laughs) in a cozy mystery, uh, so so it's just a real fun story, all the different characters and, you know, trying to figure out who did it and they're they're kind of the suspects, but they're also trying to solve it. So it's a lot of fun. And we hope that everything comes out okay. We're not going to give anything away. And it was a twist. I was surprised. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I love that. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned the not give because this is always like a thing when you, when you talk about a mystery novel with how much of the plot can you give away when you're talking about it. And a friend of mine just went to this big Agatha Christie festival in oh. England and they had a rule where all the speakers were told very care- clearly at this Agatha Christie festival when you're talking about a book you cannot give away who done it Agatha Christie which, books yeah which i thought was <laughs> the idea that like 
who would be at an Agatha Christie festival? <laughs> but don't tell me who the killer is in in, in Murder on the Orient Express. I just I, I, I know, and rule. the books have been around, you know, around so long. It's like in case you haven't read Agatha Christie, and <laughs> yeah. you go to the Agatha you're the one Christie person <laughs> in the audience that has. <laughs> That's what I was trying gonna... to figure out. But I think maybe it's a sort of a, a, a sort of ceremonial thing out of respect for the book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get that. I get that. All right. So um, my first question is this setting that we mentioned of Hollywood memorabilia world. It's really kind of fascinating. I mean, who knew? And um, we're wondering what gave you the inspiration for this? Are you like a big collector yourself or what? Well, I don't, it's so, I don't collect movie memorabilia. The one thing I do collect is Perry Como memorabilia. So I have an enormous collection of record contracts, letters, magazines, everything Perry Como related. I really? Ha- <laughs> and what made me, it's funny. So when I, when I was doing research for the book, because even though it's fiction, you still want to have some vague idea of what you're talking about. So that, because I, I just think it makes it more interesting that way. And a lot of it you can do on Google and Wikipedia, but I actually interviewed Joseph Maddalena, who is the top movie memorabilia expert and dealer in the world. He runs the Hollywood memorabilia category at Heritage Auctions. So I reached out to him, set up a phone call to interview him, which there's a cool interview with him in the back of the book. It's the author's notes, one of my favorite parts of the book. And, you know, I told him he had read about the plot because I had sent him the information. And the first thing he said when we got on the phone was, I read the plot of your book. And my first thought is, that is totally realistic, which I thought was so funny. He's like, but he's like, but no, he's like, I was thinking about it. It's like, you get some 90 year old lady in Palm Springs who's been building this seven figure collection for the past 50 years and nobody's ever seen it. And you've got a couple people competing for it. He's like, absolutely. Someone could end up dead. Oh. And, and, and I think what interested me about the Hollywood memorabilia angle as a setting for a mystery novel and if you talk to people in this world, they will tell you this. So Dorothy's ruby red slippers sold for $2 million, um, which is a lot of money. It's, it's a ton of money, but actually like that's nothing in the world of contemporary art, if you think right. about it, or like coins. Like, so it's in terms of sheer monetary value, it is not one of the major collecting categories. However, the emotional pull and hold that these pieces have over people far outpaces in many cases the, the monetary aspect because and I think it's a couple of things one of which is people in general collect movie memorabilia based on their favorite movies which in general were the things they loved when they were children that's generally the nostalgia curve if you saw a movie when you were in your 40s you probably don't run out and start collecting stuff based on it maybe you do but it's much more typical that people have this Halcyon memory of these movies that were so magical to them as kids. So you have this sort of nostalgic psychological hold that these objects have over people. And then you also have the fact that they really are, in most cases, one of a kind. So it's a good um, investment. I mean, it, it not only is it emotional, but also it can be a financial absolutely. good investment. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, yeah. So it's, but the emotional thing in some ways was what interested me the most about it because my understanding from talking and reading is that this category has an emotional pull that is stronger than a lot of other categories. Mm -hmm. 
So what about Perry Como got you pulled in to this? I've, you know, I've just always thought he was the best singer in the world. I, I, my grandparents liked him. I, I became a fan when I was 12 years old. And I've, I've just always thought he was a perfect singer and, you know, just perfect tone, perfect pitch, sang things straight, sung without any ego. And I also think he was also a really cool guy is one of yeah. the things that you like read about him. He was just a really nice, sweet down-to-earth guy, laid back. Everything about his image was, and so, you know, that matters to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like Frank Sinatra was a great singer, but then you read some of the stuff about him and you maybe don't want to listen to it. Right. <laughs> maybe not someone. I mean, I, I'm surprised though how much that memorabilia did cost. I mean, I know you say it doesn't compare, but I mean, in the beginning, and I'm not, so I'm not giving anything away. This was like in the first chapter, there was a Betty You're Davis director chair that was for $15,000. I don't know how realistic that is, but I was like, oh my God. Yeah, no, that's about right. I mean, it's so funny. Most of the pieces in the store, almost all of them are actually pulled from auction records. Oh, cool. Cause I, so I, I wanted it to be, um, you know, I, I wanted the prices and the objects to be real and, and realistic. Yeah, like, and then when, uh, but then when the um, customer sat in it, I was like, "Get up, get up!" If you break that, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's. I mean, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> like no, no but, but that that Betty because it, it was the chair from whatever happened to Baby Jane, and, and that's an interesting thing that can happen. Movie, so that was a kind of camp classic at the time. But then what, what happened was it, it came out that Joan Crawford and Betty Davis absolutely despised each other mm. on the set. <laughs> there was a mini series about it a couple of years ago. I mean, the, mm -hmm. there's a scene where, you know, she pushes her, and she, one of them is in a wheelchair and the other one has to like push her. And the people on the set were like nervous, like, please don't kill her <laughs> um, because they really hated each other. I, I think it was when, when Betty Davis died, um, I, I think a reporter called Joan Crawford and she said, you know, they say you should never say anything bad when someone died. So I'll just say Betty Davis is dead. Good. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they, they really despised each other. Wow. So I, think, wow. I think sometimes the story behind things adds to the allure of it, because if you have that chair in your home, you can imagine this tremendous amount of drama on the set in addition to the movie being great it was just this sort of valley of the dolls now i kind of want to watch that movie i remember i remember um hearing about it but i never watched it you never watched whatever happened to baby jane no oh my god you, it, it's an incredible movie it's so weird and so i mean putting it, on the list it was the genre of films at the time, it, 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 there's no way to say this without just saying, but they were called hag horror films. Oh my gosh. Or the <laughs> other term, which is really not any more politically correct, was they called them psycho bitty films. <laughs> and, and it was this entire genre of films that were about the idea of a sort of formerly glamorous woman of a certain age losing her mind. Oh, that, that was wow. a genre of sort of camp horror movies in the 60s. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> Probably that's my parents wouldn't want me to watch it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Probably funny. not, yeah. Okay, so I am so, Zach, I would love to talk to you about um, the characters Jay and Cindy. I, oh. I thought the setup for this was so great. Oh. Um, these... Like Christy introduced these two 
um, people that were together and realized and came out and lost their jobs, and lost their careers. And I kept thinking Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres, when she lost that sitcom, that kind of stuck in my craw. Yeah. I was wondering where they came from for you. How did you, why and how this couple and where'd they come from? You know, I, I don't have a great, they're sort of whole cloth. Um, personality wise, the J character is based on a friend of mine who is a cabaret person in New York City. The Cindy character is kind of loosely based on Susie Orman, the personal <laughs> finance expert who I love. And, um, you know, so in terms of their individual personalities, yeah. they're very much based on those two people. Um, but in terms of their backstory, I just, I thought, you know, so like when I was a child, my best friend, this was in like third grade, I was gay and she was a lesbian, but neither of us knew that about ourselves or about each other until we were much older. And I, I, I remember like, like, sometimes thinking like, you know, in a different set of circumstances, we could have ended up married. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Know? And, and I think, um, oh, I that's think interesting. times if you, cause Jay and Cindy in, in my, in Achillean costumes, they were best friends beginning in elementary school. And I think, you know, that there's this feeling of otherness that the gays and lesbians kids often feel. I think, I think the relationship of a, guy who's gay and his best friend who's a lesbian beginning when they're children. I think it's an unusual, I, I think it, it's not that unusual. I think it's pretty common. I have lots of friends who've had similar, but it's, you, it's never a thing that's portrayed. Right. So that's what I want to do is that. I love that. That, that is good. I love that. I think a lot of people will find common ground there, which is what you want, right? You want to see yourself presented. So that's so great. Yeah, and, and I wanted them to be, um, sort of post culture war, like mm. in my head, like, they had both all been through experiencing homophobia and having their lives ruined by it. And now they're kind of focused on other things and they're sort of apolitical. So, you know, it's not, I didn't want other people to do these books and it's important, but I didn't want this to be sort of about like their struggle with homophobia right. in the world. It's not a statement book. It's a cozy mystery. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, if you're in Palm Springs, no one's, and you're gay, no one's going to bother you. Mm -hmm. um, so that, <laughs> so that, that was, you know, so I wanted them to really just be living their lives. They've been through all of these tribulations and now they're kind of just finally have found contentment with themselves and they're happy about it. Yeah, I like that. That's That's the win right there. Yep. That's the win. I love that. Okay, so we're midway. Let's, yeah, Christy is grabbing it. So we normally ask the authors we talk to what we call question the bottle, a question you might get to at the bottom of a wine bottle. Oh, interesting. Or, or, or a, tea. a very lively we can, tea. You can case. read your tea leaves. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Yeah. Okay, Christy. This is, this is probably too easy. Um, if you had intro music, what song would it be? And why? Probably looks like we made it by Barry Manilow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Partly because he's Jay's favorite singer in the book, but also because it's a very weird song. It's the songwriter, the guy who wrote it, I remember him saying in an interview once that he would often hear people playing this song at weddings, which is, it is a very sad song. Yeah. And it, 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 it's a song about having bid someone and then you're apart, and then you both have gone on to new lives, and then you see each other again, and you sort of feel this 
sense of like, what did we miss out on? And I, Right. And, I, and I want to be happy where I am, but I'm not. And I, I just love that song. Well, I thought it, D- Barry Manilow didn't write it. No, he didn't write that one. He wrote a lot of his yeah, songs. I that was written by, I, I just blanked on the name. But That's a, okay. A, a, we'll a look very, it up. A very sort of prominent 70s. Our, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. always love um, the Barry Manilow, Bette Midler background stories. Oh, well, because they, they performed in bath in gay bathhouses together. Yeah. I went to um, a Bette Midler concert a long time ago. Oh, my ago. God. It was fantastic. She was body and just hilarious. And she told some great Barry Manilow stories at the show. So she was body at the show you went to? Oh. I will tell you. Okay, since you like that, I I can do this. I do. do. Um, So my favorite Barry Manilow story about Bette Midler, which she told in his memoir, was so sort of when they were doing the shows at the Continental Bathhouses, back before either of them were famous, they had somehow, through some sort of screw up, gotten booked to play a like family restaurant in suburban New Jersey. <laughs> and they go there and it's all these kids and families <laughs> and they're doing their show and it is just not landing even a little bit. No. People don't like the songs. People don't know the songs. People don't like the jokes. People don't get the jokes. So there's this five-year-old girl in the front row who's kind of leaning back in her chair, really bored. And Bette Midler goes up to her on the stage and says in the microphone to a five-year-old at a restaurant during her show in New Jersey, don't slouch, honey. It'll make your breasts sad. (laughs) Bette Midler said that to a five-year-old. Anyway, um, I just want to say, just for the record, I do not condone her having said that. I was just repeating it. Oh man, pretty funny now. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, that was um, that was a wild concert. I haven't thought about it in a long, long time, but it was a it was a it, wild she's just fun terrific. concert. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I so wish good. they'd do more together, but they don't. Yeah, yeah. So that was awesome. I love that. <laughs> Christy, do you have intro music that you would? Oh, well, you um, know, I mean, use? probably my my ringtone for the last 10 years, Tom Petty's American <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Just oh, love Tom Petty. So. Herself some Tom yeah. Petty. What about you, Kathy? <laughs> I should have asked that of you. Yeah, I would see? Pick, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my favorite song all time, I would say, was is Watershed by Indigo Girls. So I would pick it. Oh, oh yeah, Indigo that's Girls. a They're good terrific. one. Yeah. yeah. Good that's pretty good. All right. We'll, play, okay, we'll put that on so, the next podcast for you, Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll play ourselves in next time. Okay. So, Zach, I am very curious about your journey from finance, which I know you're still in the finance world, but you've written a lot of financial books and economics to writing co- cozies. Yeah. Yeah. What? How? <laughs> what? No, it's funny. So, you know, my, 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 my day job is in finance and it's such a different part of one's brain writing mysteries that I can work in my day job during the week and then I can write a cozy on the weekend. And it's so different. It doesn't really feel like I'm working that much because it's such a different, a different part of part of the brain. But, you know, I'll tell you like the reason I've always loved cozies is they just have this warmth to them. And I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before, but I just know like, yeah. Yeah. You know, in March 2020, when I was in New York City, this was not a great time. And I just remember reading books by like Miranda James, who we talked about at the intro, and Jen McKinlan, and, and just ma- they made me feel happy. And, you know, and I just, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're soothing. And um, 
And that's what I, that's what I love about them. And, um, you know, I think certainly you need other kinds of books too for different occasions, but I think it's pretty, pretty awesome to be able to offer the people who, who've done this successfully for a long time to just be able to offer people that little, that little escape, that little vacation. There's nothing cooler than that. Yeah. We've noticed from our viewpoint, cozies of people really started reading a lot of cozies during the pandemic. It was, it was something that a lot of people just yes. were drawn to, which is kind of cool. Interesting. I've heard that. I, I've never, yeah. It makes it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I do too. I think um, I had been introduced to cozies a long time ago by a neighbor, and I the first cozy I ever read was Diane Mott Davidson. Oh wow, yeah, culinary cozies, and I love the combination of cooking and, and cozies. And I did return to some of them during the pandemic. And interesting. I think similarly, I hadn't really ever read romance, and I had read romance a, a couple romance books in the last few years, and I felt the same way about romance. It was like, oh, there's some joy here <laughs> yeah you know because christy and i both write thrillers and we write you know kind of hardcore crime fiction and that's most of what we read yeah and it's nice to have a little joy too mm-hmm. you need both i mean you that's do. you know these there's some of the you know sometimes these debates seem a little onanistic and boring but um you know you need all kinds of books for different occasions sometimes they're different people but also oftentimes the, the same person on on different occasions and mm-hmm. You know, it's just they're all they're all important. They all have their they all have their place. Yep. don't they? Yep. So you write on the weekends? Is that what you? What's tell us a little bit about your your writing process? How you got this book written? Oh, yeah. I mean, there there are so many better people talking about <laughs> writing process, but um, well, we're always curious. Know, yes, we almost ask Zach, everybody. This book exists. Yes, you finished <laughs> yeah, a no, book it's, it's a great and it's question. published. I think because everyone's answer is different. But Zach, you've also written how many nonfiction books? Four, maybe. Okay, yeah. so you have a writing path here. So what? Yeah. How does that work for you? Well, I used to be a journalist, which, you know, so my first books are, you know, like the Beanie Baby book. I traveled around and talked to sort of piece together the story of the guy who created them and became a billionaire and the collectors who made and lost fortunes on them, and that was really it's so different because it's creative in its way, but it is all factual. Everything has to be true. And so, so much of the work is the information gathering. And and then, you know, you really have to just write it and try to structure it in a way that's interesting, but you are, you are confined by reality. Um, fiction's both harder and easier because like I was talking about this, it's like in fiction, nonfiction's hard because you can't make stuff up. Fiction's hard because you have to make everything up. That's how I, that's how I always think about it. And so, you know, in terms of process, I mean, I've, I've never been like one of those people. It's like, I have to do this certain ritual or I need complete silence or I need a certain, you know, I, I could sit and write while people are talking five feet away from me. I just, I don't, I don't find that to be a Same with fiction and nonfiction. Like, you can just, no distractions. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, for, for now, I mean, what I've been doing, like on the book I'm writing now, is I go to a library, the New York Society Library in New York. It's like a private member's library. And I just go and sit in a little desk and surrounded by books, and I just write there on weekends. Um, I like that. I like the going somewhere to write because it makes procrastination really hard. Right. Because you're there and you have nothing else to do, and you want to go home at some point and do other things. You know, whereas if you're 
writing from home, it, it can be very easy to put it off because you can always do it mm. later. Right. So whereas I, when I'm at the library, I know, I know, <laughs> I'm guilty. And it guilty. was in the pandemic no, didn't help it's, things look, with that. That's for sure. Because I, I think procrastination is something. I think basically every writer struggles with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because getting started is hard, and I, you know, so so for me, I just I. I and I didn't always do this, but now, now I just don't write it. I actually don't write in my apartment at all. I only write at the library. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. I, I, I like that separation. Mm -hmm. but, hmm. I found airports are a really great place to write because there's not, I have nothing else to do. Like I haven't brought anything else to do. And oh, just, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm super productive in a, in a airport waiting, waiting area. I don't know, the Delta Lounge I've discovered. <laughs> yeah. like, so I have to travel more now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not the most cost-effective strategy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Airport, yeah, I, I go like to the local coffee that. shop. That's what I do. Or like Brad Parks. <laughs> oh, do, do you? you know Brad Parks? He, he writes. Yeah. He, he, um, I, I know who he is. Yeah, he, he, he goes. He writes at he, uh, <laughs> he goes to Hardee's to write. He writes at, he writes at Hardee's? He's notorious yeah, for that. I know. <laughs> I don't know how much he still does, but, but they works. knew him, you know, he would just go there and he said, it, you know, bottomless soda yeah. and, you know. <laughs> but it works, you know. That sounds miserable. Yeah. I think it does. Well, you, you know, you, you, but I was he, like, but he's prolific. He, I think people that other customers have ended up in his books. He's a little funny as well. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you're working on something else. What are you working on? A, a, a sequel to this and another thing that we'll probably never see the light of day oh <laughs> don't say that i'm sure it will no i, I mean I, I, think so that, I, was, I think that's perfectly fine i try to always be working yeah. on something mm -hmm. yeah and with with no particular aspirations for it until at some point maybe there is it's like because the way i think about it is like i just know that the the, the sequel to a killing costumes is better than a killing costumes because I've learned things right. and you just, the more words you write, the better you get. And so I, 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 tr I never, I, it, it's not easy, but I really try to never think of it as sort of a waste. If I, you know, like I, I wrote something earlier this year that I haven't shown to anyone it's done. And I, I don't know, I'm still thinking about, you know, ever, if I ever want to, you know, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it works. And, and my point is that I'm not, sort of worried about it or right. stressed about it because the more you write you'll, you'll come up with stuff that does work you get. and everything that you do even if you don't utilize it in the traditional way to get published it's it serves it serves the creative that, that, good. that's yeah. exactly right yeah and you know you you know and, and i just know i think at some point and i think this was this is where it would probably become stressful is if i've written tons and tons of words and i can tell that i'm not getting better at it mm -hmm. then i think that would be stressful right. but i'm by the way everyone watching should go and buy a killing costumes i promise i, I yes you but should the see the, the, but what i'm saying is that like i think i have several more books in front of me at least before yeah. i stopped getting better right so i think um i think these characters deserve a lot more revisiting they are fun i can see the depth in all of them and what they're going to come up with next and i I think it should be a series. Frankly. I love you for saying that. Yeah, I think I, I, I would love to see them on screen too. I have to tell have everyone to you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hallmark mysteries. Well, it's been so fun talking to you. Christy's oh, got another yes. question. We have for you. Um, one question that we ask all our, um, <laughs> our, our all our authors. Um, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? You know, I think because the main characters, I. I spent a lot of time with because I, you know, they're they're in every scene. So I don't, 
I think it would probably be Yana Tosh, oh. the 90-year-old the mm-hmm. former film star. And I think, look, we would probably have to eat something very low sodium. <laughs> she's, she's getting on. Kind of soft. She's still, she's still very like energetic. But she, and she also, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I think she'd probably want to drink. I think she'd probably be drinking some kind of vegetable juice freshly made. And I'd, I'd maybe have that. Um yeah, I think I think I would have on the way to her exercise class. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd probably go I'd probably go do Zumba with Yeah, her. there you go. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that- that's a question to ask. Like what what exercise class would you want to do with which of your parents? <laughs> oh, um, that's, that's something to question. know. Yeah, we'll, we might steal that sometime. Uh, <laughs> that is a good one. I, jazzercise, I'm feeling for her, but... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just yeah. read a thing that jazzercise is like having a comeback. But oh, anyway. it's totally. Yeah, totally. Do, I, do you do it? Uh, no, but I, oh. in college, taught um, aerobics during the height of the... Yeah, yeah. aerobics, 80s, yeah. You know? Yeah, and so like the... Not anymore. Um, okay, so listen, I want to know how readers who want to learn more about you should reach out to you. Uh, let's see. I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash Zach Bissonette. You can go to my website and there's a contact us form where you can ask me about anything. And I, I write back to... I. I write back to everyone partly because I'm going to be honest. I don't get a lot of emails. I'm not. So everybody, okay, everyone, email. you heard him. Let's go. Yeah, please, please do because I'm just sitting at your phone. Doesn't ring. It's it's getting. You know. um, but no, I would love to hear from people. I, I just I, I I love hearing from people who've, who've awesome. read anything I've ever written. It just makes me so happy. Great. Even if it's negative, that's kind of fun too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. all right. Well, thank okay. you I'm so much. Those, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I know. I was just going to say there's some people who don't who don't like when people tag them in reviews. You can tag me. Everyone should tag me in reviews. Even if you hate it, tell me. I'm, it's good to know. I, really? I, you know. You're, you don't, you that. have the thick skin, unlike most writers who have that thin skin. I just think if you're, I think you have to. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, first of all, it's a, you know, it's a privilege to have people read, read stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, you want, I, I think it's, I, I like knowing what people think yeah. about things. I think it's helpful. Absolutely. So reach out, send him emails. Yep. I would love that. Tag him. Tag yep. Him. And read his book. Absolutely. It's, right, it's we'll, awesome. We'll it's so fun. Yep. And, um, and then you'll be ready for the sequel. So sequel. So, um, but really awesome. thanks so much for joining us, introducing us to this lovely tea, hot cinnamon spice. So, Cheers. I, I'm so glad you liked it. <laughs> this was a Cheers, blast. Thank you. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm done with my tea. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.